As we turn to Scripture, let's pray together. Open our eyes to see you in our midst, O God. Open our ears to hear your word afresh. Give us understanding minds and willing spirits that we might continually be made new by your grace. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26. This is Moses speaking to the people of Israel as they're about to enter the promised land. Let's listen together for what the Spirit is saying to us. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, You shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at the time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power, with signs and wonders. And He brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Robert Fulgham writes about an experience that I expect many of us have had telling bedtime stories to children. He writes, So then what happened? An urgent question out of the bedtime darkness asked by my children when they and I were young. Just when I thought I had slam-dunked a story ending, just when I was certain the children were safely tucked away in the arms of the Sandman, a small, sleepy voice would plead, So then what happened? And no matter what I replied, the plea went on, Please, please, Daddy, tell us the rest of the story. In cranky desperation, I would resort to apocalypse. Suddenly, a comet hit the earth and blew everything to pieces. There was silence. Then, what happened to the pieces? Children love stories. They want them to go on and on, over and over again. And they're not listening just to be entertained. They absorb the stories that we tell them. They act them out. They live through them. The stories we tell them shape their lives and shape the way they see the world. They tell them what's true, what's good, what's possible. It matters. 
It matters what stories we tell them. Of course, as our children get older, parents are no longer their primary storytellers. Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and probably a few apps I don't even know about. These are the campfires around which young people gather day after day to hear and tell stories. Now, the story I hear when I wander through social media is that everyone's life is better than mine. Everyone else is doing something more exciting, wearing better clothes hanging out with better people, eating finer food, doing better at school or work, vacationing in more exotic locations, and getting more likes than me. Of course, we know. We know that just about every photo posted to social media has been edited, cleaned up, cropped, and filtered, made to look as close to perfection as possible. And I suspect the stories we tell through social media have been edited, cleaned up, cropped and filtered to. There was a recent study that showed that the I generation, that's my daughter's generation, is the most anxious, depressed, and lonely generation yet. They can spend hours maintaining their social media brand, trying to keep up with posts and likes and streaks and memes and statuses and songs and styles and fashions and relationships. But all that connectivity, all that information and stimulation isn't translating into happiness. Now, I don't know about you, things weren't that different really for my generation. My storyteller maybe wasn't in my pocket. It was sitting in front of me in the family room. The television told me story after story. And in between all those stories were the commercials, and they told the story too. Maybe you remember this. One of the commercials from the Super Bowl a few years back showed an older man having a Coke for the first time. And after one sip, he wonders, what else haven't I done? So he proposes to his lifelong love. He goes high diving. He gets a tattoo on his chest. He travels to Pamplona, Spain to run with the bulls. At the end of the commercial, he's speeding along on a motorcycle, and the tagline says, the Coke side of life. Now, we're not supposed to take any of that very seriously, but look, look at the underlying story there. You're missing out. You're getting left behind. If you just get this product, then you'd have fullness of life, love and excitement and adventure and tattoos. Maybe commercials and social media are telling the same story, that happiness is always just beyond our reach, that if we just click one more link, view one more photo, watch one more TikTok, stream one more episode, post one more selfie, get one more like, buy one more Coke, then we'll find happiness. Now, look, I am a very willing participant in social media and the market economy, so I don't mean to sound like I'm down on it, but I worry that perhaps unintentionally we are telling our children and ourselves a small story, a story of a small world with a small purpose, a world of scrolling and clicking and posing and buying, all in search of a happiness that will never come. It matters what stories we tell. So this sort of strange reading today from Scripture, this is 
Moses. He's giving the people of Israel instructions for when they finally arrive in the promised land. And he's afraid that the people might settle down and then forget how they got there, forget their story. So he tells them, first things first, to make an offering of the first fruits of their crops. And then as they bring the offering, you're supposed to tell a story. And not just any story, you're supposed to tell the story. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. What story is this the beginning of? The Exodus story, right? The, the beating heart of the Old Testament. And did you notice the next sentence in this story? When the Egyptians treated us harshly, did you hear that? Treated us harshly. This is not someone else's story. This is our story. So what might this story say to our children? Maybe it reminds them that we all were once aliens and strangers. Maybe it tells them that life isn't always easy, that we weren't always free, that freedom is hard won and takes courage and risk and sacrifice and is ultimately grounded in God. Maybe it tells them that the way we celebrate that freedom is to be generous and to be thankful and to be compassionate and to remember the story and to tell it again and again and again. Stardust and stories, that's all human beings are. Our bodies are made up of the remnants of stars and our lives are stitched together by the stories we tell. It was Elie Wiesel who said, God made human beings because God loves stories. We are storytelling creatures. And there's incredible truth and beauty and joy to be found in our stories. That's the odd practice we're focusing on this week, telling our story. But not just any story. The odd story we tell is the story of God who makes a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert, a God who hears our cries and comes with healing and justice, a God who makes a way even when there is no way. Now we get that story from Scripture, and I do hope in our time together we have plenty of opportunities to explore the strange new world of Scripture together. There are so many things I want to say about Scripture, and I want to hear from you, but I want to say that we must take Scripture seriously, but not always literally, and in fact, the only way to take it seriously sometimes is to not take it literally. That Scripture is not one voice, but many, and more of a conversation than a monologue. That Scripture is written by humans and it is beautiful and broken like all things human, but that on every page you find the divine invitation to new life. I could say all that and more, but what I most want to say is this. The story of Scripture has the power to mend our hearts. It has the power to mend the world. It matters what stories we tell. One more story, this by Elie Wiesel. When the great rabbi Baal Shem Tov saw misfortune threatening the Jews, it was his custom to go into a certain part of the forest to meditate, and there he would light a fire and say a special prayer, and a miracle would be accomplished and the disaster averted. 
Later, when one of his disciples had occasion for the same reason to intercede with heaven, he would go to the same place in the forest and say, Master of the universe, I do not know how to light the fire, but I am still able to say the prayer. And again, the miracle would be accomplished. Still later, another rabbi, in order to save his people once more, would go into the forest and say, I do not know how to light the fire. I do not know the prayer, but I know the place, and this must be sufficient. And it was sufficient, and the miracle was accomplished. Then it fell to Rabbi Israel to overcome misfortune. And sitting in his armchair, his head in his hands, he spoke to God, I am unable to light the fire. I do not know the prayer. I cannot even find the place in the forest. All I can do is tell the story, and this must be sufficient. And it was sufficient. It is sufficient, this story. This story of the divine mystery that has journeyed with us from the beginning, that holds us and sustains us even now. This story of a love that we have longed for our whole lives, though perhaps we didn't know it. A love that will not let us go. A love through which we are born again into the wild joy of life. It is sufficient. May that love mend our hearts and set us free to mend the world. And may we tell the story. Thanks be to God. Amen.